We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With US Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. US Bank credit cards are issued by US Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Most Tuesdays are just Tuesdays, except at Buffalo Wild Wings, where Tuesdays are Wing Tuesdays. But now even Wing Tuesdays aren't just Wing Tuesdays because Wing Tuesdays are half-price Wing Tuesdays, which means your boring Tuesday that became Wing Tuesday now costs you half as much. In case you're confused, we have half-price Wing Tuesdays. We do it for you. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings. Beer. Sports. Prices and participation vary. See participating locations for details. Void were prohibited. Welcome to the award-nominated RotoWire NBA podcast, sponsored by Draft, the only app offering daily fantasy snake drafts. It is Wednesday, January 25th, better known as the birth date of AC Law, X-Hawks, Warriors, Bobcats, Bulls, Grizzlies, and Warriors again. Great. Uh, my all-time favorite college player, so was very glad when I checked the basketball reference birthdays today and he came up. So happy 32nd, AC. Nick Whalen, DJ Trainer. We are back. Um, where were you, by the way? I've been holding off on asking you until we were on air because I want to have a general, like a genuine reaction to where you were. So you, this is your first day back in the office since, what, Thursday? Were you here Friday? Yeah, I was here okay, Friday. Here, well, I wasn't here Friday. Um, but yeah, I just basically have been crying the last two days yeah. in the office. James was gone on Monday. Like It was just it's been a rough couple of days. So where were you? 
I was in Chicago having a Kings weekend. So a buddy of mine lives in Chicago. This has nothing to do with the Sacramento Kings, right? It does. It does. It oh, totally no. does. Chicago, or oh, well, I should no. say the Bulls versus Kings on Saturday. I was at that game. I saw Ugh. Dwayne Wade definitely not touch Cousins in person. I watched that happen. And then we were supposed to go to a Kings of Leon concert on Monday. Oh, God. But it got canceled. Thank God. You were saved from that. We need to take this off pod real quick. Kings of Leon? We need to take this off pod. Uh, let's push pause. Yeah, I come haven't back. heard any of their mixtapes. I guess I shouldn't. I shouldn't talk. Yeah, they they have a lot more than you think they have. They they released th- three albums before they came out with Sex on Fire, You Somebody, all that stuff. The point is, it was a King's Weekend in Chicago, so that that's what happened. Although the concert ended up getting canceled, so it was a semi King's Weekend. Why did they cancel it? The drummer had pneumonia. And get this, we're going to talk about NBA. I promise those of you still listening that haven't skipped ahead, my buddy has been trying to see them. This was the third time that Kings of Leon has canceled on him. This is the third it's to time. Be a little bit more than a coincidence, you would think. Unfortunately, they're notoriously known for canceling their concerts. So, like notorious pneumonia contractors. Yeah, alcoholism, lots of different stuff you could go with. Yep, that's Kings yeah, of Leon like right some there. Straight shooters here. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I'm from Oklahoma. They're from Oklahoma. They? Obviously, okay. there's a deep, deep connection here. Right, right. That makes sense. Um, so we have a lot to get to basketball wise. The rising stars lineups, uh, something that I care way more about than most people, came out today. Not a lot of surprises, but we'll run through those quickly later in the pod. We'll talk. Uh, all-star reserves those are going to be announced on thursday night uh during the tnt broadcast um big double header tomorrow night uh, on thursday so we get the the all-star reserve announcement and then we're treated to okc dallas and uh, lakers jazz so not great uh, in terms of uh, the two matchups there but at least we get the the all-star stuff but let's talk um let's talk about the Cavaliers first. They've lost 5 out of 7. Um LeBron obviously in the headlines these last couple of days after it's been an uncharacteristic for him uh to not necessarily to criticize um you know his his team or management and again that's not really what he was doing. He clarified on Twitter, you know, Griffin's done a great job, etc. But for him to do it in the way that he did, you know, one using profanity, two talking to the press directly after a game. I mean, he's as, um, you know, dumbed down as it gets typically as far as, you know, giving politically correct answers. So I think things kind of did reach ahead with him after they lost um, to New Orleans. No Anthony Davis for the Pelicans. Cleveland was fully healthy. They just got outplayed. And, and again, they've lost five out of seven, and a lot of those have come to inferior teams. They lose at home in overtime against the Spurs the other night. Um, and all of a sudden now the Cavs need a blank playmaker. Yeah, I suppose. Um, I think it's like, you know how they say the dog days of summer? For NBA, yes. we should start saying the like cat days of winter. Cat where, days, okay. Yeah, because you're probably yeah. going to slap me when I say this. I'm not going to slap you. Because um, I say it every podcast, and I'll continue to say it every podcast, motivation. Just like having being motivated mm-hmm. every single given night in the NBA is incredibly hard for a team like the Cavaliers. Um, so it doesn't just affect the teams at the bottom of the standings. It affects your Warriors, your Cavaliers, because they know they're not going to be judged based on the regular season. And so mentally, you know, it is hard to get up for a game in Milwaukee in late January, a game in Detroit. I mean, who can blame them, right? Because 
every single one of us is not going to judge LeBron James based on how he does in late January. His legacy is titles and he's doing what it takes. And mentally he'll round into form exactly when we want him to and exactly when we expect him to. Sure, the Cavaliers haven't been great. Do I care? No. Do, do a lot of people care? Sure, because they need to create some news because it's the cat days of winter for them too. Cat days of winter. You yeah, like that? I mean, it's the, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to need some more time to decide. Okay. I mean, they're 30 and 13. They're fine. It's just that time of year. It's like literally this time of year, the last three years now, including this one, something like this bubbles up. Um, you know, LeBron's first year back. Uh, we'll, let's see where they were on, oh, on January 25th. They were 25 and 20. All right. And, you know, things had, uh about a week before that they lost six in a row uh they lost you know nine out of ten lebron took his little sabbatical um you know last season around this time there were still questions swirling about whether kevin love was the guy and really it was until after the trade deadline passed that the rumors finally quelled because they literally couldn't do anything after that point uh and here we are again i mean there's a report uh, just a couple minutes ago I, i saw on twitter that you know i think it was chris haynes uh, tweeted out that that Mark Stein has a story coming. The Knicks have been reaching out to Cleveland trying to engineer a mellow for love swap. Um, so yeah, I mean, well, let's answer that real quick. No, love is better than mellow right now, right. and he's better for that. Team. Right, but well. does but does LeBron think that? That's what matters. I think I think LeBron deep down probably knows that, but he also probably thinks highly of Mello as a friend and judges him differently than people you know who who watch Mello as a pure player and not as a a guy who he's grown up, you know, and come along with. I want to assume that LeBron knows what's best for him. And in that case, I think he knows that, you know, he's got to rack up these titles and love is going to help him do that over the next four years, more so than Mello would. So to answer that question immediately, like, I th- I think he's I think he's smart because because we all know that he's the GM right so that's why we always take this stance I, on questions I do like this. Think that, but I also I also think that David Griffin is not just a puppet. I, I think that that joke has some truth to it, and LeBron has a lot of sway in this organization. Um, but at the same time, I I honestly don't think LeBron could go to David Griffin and say we're trading Melo straight up for love. I, and, you know, maybe after a debate or something that would happen. But, like, I don't think Griffin would just be like, yep, whatever you want, LeBron. Like, I, I think there, it's not just LeBron pulling all the strings here because that would be a huge deal, right? I mean, all we've heard about the last year is how close-knit this team is and how they finally turned Kevin Love into one of them and they're always hanging out. Like, are we just going to throw that out the window and now it's just LeBron and, and his his friend Carmelo, you know, kind of just kicking out one of the the three most important players on this team. Right. And when people talk about, are they going to have a banana boat reunion at some point in their careers? Like when people talk about that, I think most people assume and and kind of, you know, knowingly think that's like way down the line, like four or five years down the line when they're actually like pretty old NBA players, like very old NBA players. Um, The funny thing here is, you know, the counterpoint to what you just said is like, well, he basically got Tristan Thompson a fat contract, but here's the thing. He had a little leverage because it was the off season. I think LeBron was still, you know, kind of negotiating his own contract. They shared agents. There was more involved. Um, there was more involvement or LeBron had more leverage in that case. So I think that you're certainly right to say, um, you know, LeBron is not certain is certainly not the GM, and he's certainly not the GM mid season as much as he is off season when he's rene- renegotiating his one year deals. 
He's yeah, he's like a personal GM for himself, you know. Like he, good for I, him. I, like, That's I, awesome. Right, he's no, he's reinventing the way yeah. superstars. I mean, he's he was a big league. reason that the supermax is now a thing, and that his other contemporaries, like you know, like Chris Mello Paul, yeah, like Chris Paul, and those guys are going to be beneficiaries of that. Uh, but no, I, I think Cleveland would like. You're not going to find anyone who says like, oh yeah, Cleveland needs to flip love for for Mello. That's what they're missing. Like yeah, they need playmaking with the second unit, but. You know, love what he provides. You know, from a rebounding perspective, he's younger. He's you know, a, you know, are at least as good, if not better, in a catch and shoot than than Carmelo Anthony from three. I just don't see the risk of messing up what's a really good thing—a defending champion roster—by uh, making such a drastic move like that. Um, it would just not be worth it to me. But we've also learned that when LeBron's involved, there's going to be drama. So I'm guessing that chances are we're going to keep hearing about this a couple times a week. Every time the Cavs lose or if Melo goes for like 45, it's going to pop back up. And then it's going to be a lot like last year where it won't be until after the deadline that we can finally put it to rest. I love breaking news on the podcast. It's really fun for us because um, we didn't don't get to plan for it. and We don't know what each other's going to say. Here's my final stance on this argument. And it'll be my final stance on this argument, even if it lingers on into the season. Kevin Love is 28 years old. Carmelo Anthony is 32 years old. Even if there's people out there that think Carmelo Anthony has the edge over who's better right now, you certainly cannot say over the long haul that Kevin Love does not have the edge over Carmelo Anthony. So that's that's my uh, flag in the ground, and I'm kind of assuming that LeBron James will also assume as much. If you're the Knicks and you can turn this mellow situation into oh, Kevin yeah. Love Come on. on that deal, that would be incredible for a very unnicks like move like they would be the team that would that would do the opposite you know if if the tables were turned like they'd be the team that would take Carmelo for love yes exa- um, exactly so yeah i mean it's it's interesting it's a talking point but at the same time it's you know it's ultimately probably not going to matter um so since the last time we've talked the 76ers are now the probably the best team that we've seen in the nba in a while mm-hmm, um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i just not that we didn't see this coming in terms of the talent being there and you know the coaching staff has remained consistent. Like there were there's signs that like obviously they had to break through at some point, um, but at the same time, like the the recent winning that, that this team has uh, has done, and a lot of it, you know, even coming while Okafor is banged up and Embiid still sitting, and you know, you're still playing Sergio Rodriguez big minutes, like things like that. Um, I mean, the fact that they've won what is it seven of their last nine, I think, did come out of nowhere and. You know, I mean, they've beaten. It's not like they they played the Nets nine times in a row. I mean, they beat the Clippers, albeit a shorthanded Clippers team. They beat Portland. They beat Toronto. They won in Milwaukee. Uh, they beat Charlotte. They beat the Knicks, and then you know they they played the Celtics really closely as well. So, um, I guess my question to you is: Is this just some sort of kind of strange flash in the pan where everything seems to be clicking for a little bit, or you know, can this Sixers team like steadily creep up toward like? dare I say, 35 or 40 wins by the end of the year? I think they could creep up. I, I think that's certainly fair. Um, maybe at this point is where you start to get into the slapping me territory because I think a team like this is going to be motivated night in, night out because they're they're trying to prove naysayers wrong. They're really trying to show that this team is getting better and they're done with this tanking stage. And, you know, I just I just can't say enough, especially in the NBA, about what it means to be motivated night in, night out. And I really, really feel like this Philadelphia team has been. I got to say, too, having a great home crowd like they've been drawing as well helps quite a bit in turning mm-hmm. that transition. So I'm going to chalk it up to a flash in the pan. 
because, again, this is kind of that lull in the season where you're going to catch some teams off guard. Mm. I mean, the Pelicans caught the Cavs off guard, for goodness sake. So, so it's a lull in the season, and they're kind of like locked in, like playoff locked yeah. in, where all these other teams certainly are not. Yeah, a lot of road games coming up for Philadelphia uh, leading up to the All-Star break. Um, and, you know, they have a, a couple of long road trips in the month of March as well. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I, like I said, I mean, they would have to go 24 and 17 the rest of the way to get to 40 wins. Not inconceivable, but for the Sixers, that would be pretty inconceivable. Um, I just, I think, that, you know, 30 to 35 to me seems a little more realistic. 40 wins, then, you know, like they would, I mean, they would really, really have to play well. Like we would, we would be talking like historical numbers for from from Joel Embiid going forward. Well, here's the thing. Let's say that they're an average team in the NBA right now. If we threw away all the, you know, all the results that have happened so far and just judge them based on their schedule moving forward, I think it's fair to say there could be a 500 team. Now, what that means for them, uh, you know, to to attain the record that you said, which is well over 500, is that they need to take care of business against teams like the Nets and the Knicks, and that's what they did. That's what they've done. So far during the streak and they've caught in a few teams off guard and got that rare win so if this is suddenly like a very consistent team that can handle the teams low in the rankings then obtaining a record well above 500 like even mm-hmm. 600 is possible to me if they're going to show me that they can be this consistent and they have been doing that over the last nine games or so yeah you do wonder though like is this hindering the process and you know this could kind of be the final year of the quote unquote process as far as turning, you know, these poor seasons into draft picks. And, you know, the the silver lining is that they still do have that Lakers pick that hasn't conveyed because the Lakers have been in the top three the last two years. Um, But the Lakers are kind of going the opposite way right now. And they could very well end up with a bottom or a top three pick again. And, you know, if that doesn't convey, it's unprotected in 2018, but the Lakers you would think would probably take at least a minor step forward next season. Um, So, I mean, Philadelphia's own pick, could ultimately end up you know somewhere in maybe the five to ten range as opposed to the one to five range how much do they care about that we'll see um you know they have a lot of exciting young talent but unfortunately a lot of that talent is concentrated in two positions um and the other thing that we haven't touched on at all i don't know that it affects the sixers record wise positively or negatively but ben simmons will most likely be back shortly after the all-star break um, and as we've said on this podcast many times, and as anyone who follows the NBA knows, it's pretty rare to do what Joel Embiid is doing as far as positively helping your team night in and night out as a yes. rookie. Um, so it's like, how much are they going to be willing to sacrifice, excuse me, sacrifice potential wins, you know, in order to get Ben Simmons more minutes or more experience in certain situations? Well, can I please be the bearer of bad news and say he couldn't even put, like he couldn't even take an LSU team and turn it into a winning team. So why the heck are we going to assume I mean, that he's going to? There's like no that team. That team NBA wasn't terrible. That team wasn't terribly bad here. So I, you know, I just I people might be reading too much into Ben Simmons and to what he can do. We're going to see a lot more normal rookie play for him, especially if he's going to be the playmaker, the distributor, the play caller on this team. And so it's it's honestly a lot easier for your front court players to make an impact if you're a rookie or a sophomore even because your role is pretty simple you know you know your role and that's about it if you're the point guard or running point you need to know everybody's role and that's a lot different a lot lot different yeah. than what Embiid is doing for us right now yeah and it's also different when you're coming off of an injury and you've never played in an NBA game like there's going to be a buffer period for Simmons and he probably is not going to see a full workload throughout the entire season I mean there's still 
people out there who believe he shouldn't be playing or won't play this season. I don't really see the merit in that. I think, um, I think you could argue that Embiid was the most prepared rookie of all time, right? So he was within an organization for two years. Like, not only did he focus right. a lot of his time rehabbing, but he got to focus a lot of his time just mm-hmm. strategizing and, and learning. Yeah, and well, so, you know, you can talk about college experience, but he, I mean, he was in the pros. He was learning. He's That's about as good of a situation as you're going to get for a guy hitting the court for his first NBA yeah. season. Uh, I mean, we saw the same thing with Blake too i mean he right. came in he missed his entire rookie year after i think he had was, was it a patella or broke his kneecap something in his knee he played all 82 games started all 82 games as a rookie averaged 23 12 and 4 you know that was way better than anyone thought and you know people expected big things of blake griffin but i mean those are like carl towns level numbers um you know defensively he doesn't provide what towns does and, and certainly didn't back then uh but they're you know injury or not i think you're you're onto something in that sitting out a year in Griffin's case or two in Embiid's case, the things that you learn, you know, as far as strategy and preparing your body, even if you're not, you know, it's not like these guys have been scrimmaging for two straight years and then they get thrown into an NBA game. It's like just being around the game and and being able to adjust that way, you know, at least in these two cases seems to have helped. Yeah. And he was like, allegedly best friends with Sam Hinkie. He was hanging out in his box. You know, he was really taking in and learning the game. Can you say the same about guys like Julius Randle? Maybe not as much, although he did average a double-double in his, like, technically his sophomore season. Jabari Parker is another one. He had about 25 games under his belt. So it's it's not necessarily the case for everybody, um, but certainly Joel Embiid is is an exception to this Mm -hmm. this whole rookie, um, you know, the rookie scale that we normally go through. Um, so let's talk about the Clippers. I, I think we can both agree that the Cavs will get this thing figured out. They didn't just magically become a bad team after beating the Warriors on Christmas. They'll be fine. Clippers are going to be without Chris Paul for at least the next month and a half, but they got Blake Griffin back last night. He looked really, really good. I mean, they lost to Philly, but they're still super shorthanded. And I think the more important thing was that Blake looked a lot like Blake. And I'm very excited kind of to see what he's able to do without Chris Paul is as we've seen in spurts over the last couple of years, like Griffin just gets even better without Chris Paul on the floor, at least from an individual uh, statistical point. Um, this Clippers team though, like I, I do worry about the depth because like is Griffin and jo- are Griffin and Jordan enough to really keep them in that top four? Like how far can they slide where you're comfortable to say, okay, if they get CP back for the last month, month and a half of the year, they'll be able to get into that top four and get that home court. Because in the Western Conference, you don't want to be the five seed and have to go to Utah. You don't want to be the six and have to go to Houston. And you obviously don't want to be the seven or the eight or and have to go uh, to Golden State or to San Antonio in round one. Yeah, no, that that's all fair. I would feel a lot more confident in this Clippers team and what they're doing and their odds of making the playoffs if it was a combo of Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan or Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. But to have the combo of Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan, and honestly, out of all those three combos, is going to be the the least desirable for me thinking that they can you know play 500 ball from here on out until chris paul comes back so that's certainly concerning but guess what nick like things are lining up perfect for them when you look over the span of like the last four seasons because that eight seed in the west has been hotly contested over the last few years right a few years ago we had a a winning team in the phoenix suns not make the playoffs and they would have been like the three seed or the four seed in the east right that's not the case this year you've got a bunch of really subpar teams fighting for that a spot and it is a very very nice cushion in fact it's about 
an eight-game cushion, and I think that that's going to be enough for the Clippers to hit their stride when CP3 comes back and be just fine. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're in no danger whatsoever of falling out of the playoffs. Like That's not an issue at all. But, I mean, they could go all the way down to, like, seven. I mean, they're they're only up a game right now on Utah, only up three on OKC. I, I really don't see them falling beyond five, honestly. I don't think OKC wins consistently enough. And I, I think the Clippers between Blake and and deandre and and reddick and even rivers playing reasonably well in paul's place Uh, i think that'll be enough to keep him in the top five but i think they want to stay at four uh because utah nobody wants to play utah and you definitely don't want to have to play them you know potentially four times on the road in in a first round series i you think that they're putting more onus on not playing utah than not being on the same half as the warriors i don't think so so you think they like they would rather slip to the six or get to the three? I think that perhaps one of the more desirable spots in the whole in the whole standings in the West is going to be the seventh seed playing the Spurs. No, totally. But I also and then you're think- on the opposite side. Not only do you not play the Rockets, not play the Jazz. I, and we're reading too much into this. We're well, just like, way too gonna, early on They're this. not going to call a team meeting and be like, all right, guys, we're like, we're going to lose this one, lose this one, win here. Just like They're not going to try to like engineer their way at the into the end, seven. But at the end of the season, if it comes I down to be on the Warriors bracket and play against the Jazz versus be on the opposite side and play the Spurs, I think you're going to see a I, lot of teams you know, maybe rest a bunch of their players. If it's the difference between the six and the seven, I could see that, or the five and the seven. Uh, but if it's the difference between home court and the first round, I think you always want that. I think you would rather play at home and be the four than you know be the seven and, and get a, an arguably better matchup. But we don't even know. Like Maybe they don't want to play the Spurs. I feel, I'm with you, though. I think the Spurs are going to be vulnerable in the playoffs. Well, I tell you what, they're going to be certainly really pissed off if they play a Clippers team that's a seven seed yeah. and they have the three-headed monster full go. I kind of want to see Spurs-Grizz, though, which is what it would be right now. And you know certainly things will change. Things are going to change. That would be a fun one. We're 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 looking into it too. Like that's much. like Memphis is like the one team that maybe wouldn't be able to exploit, you know, the Gasol Lee front court that they're running out so often now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know Aldridge, of course, will be back, and that will that will make a difference. I think they rested him last time they played. Yeah, they rest most of their players yeah. for most of the regular season. We've seen this so. before. The Rotowire NBA podcast is brought to you by Draft. We already know you love fantasy, so we know you'll love playing fantasy on Draft. Draft is a simple daily fantasy app where you can do snake drafts just like the ones you do at the beginning of your season-long league. On Draft, it's draft day every day. You can do drafts whenever you want. They last for just one day, and they only take minutes to complete. On Draft, you can play for free, or better yet, you can play for money. Get this, your chances of winning money on draft are almost three times better than your chances of winning on FanDuel or DraftKings. If you're playing fantasy for money and you're not spending hours a day doing it, you absolutely should be playing on draft. Join me, download Draft now, just search Draft, D-R-A-F-T, in the App Store. It'll come up first, right at the top. Be sure to enter our promo code ROTOWIRE when you download. You'll get a 100% bonus up to $600 when you deposit. Again, search Draft in the App Store. Be sure to enter our promo code ROTOWIRE. Okay, well, let's talk All-Star Reserves then. Starters were announced you know, almost a week ago now. Davis, Durant, Kawhi, Harden, Curry in the West. LeBron, Giannis, Butler, Irving, and DeRozan in the East. Um, so let's start with you then. Give me your first Western Conference All-Star Reserve. Russell Westbrook, pretty easy here. Yep. Um, we can just move right along. I'll yes. give you my second one if you don't mind. Draymond Green, incredibly still deserving. I don't think I've seen too many... Um, 
you know, projected reserves with him off of it. He's still just an amazing distributor for his size. I guess we'll just keep moving on. Do you have any issues here? No, I have both of those guys with no questions whatsoever. Okay. Uh, Marcus Saul, yep. things are getting a little bit more sticky, but I, I think, you know, he's, he's playing very well so far. Um, and plus you got to get some other front court players in there. Um, DeMarcus Cousins, no brainer for yep. me here, right? So, so we're all good. Here's where things get sticky for both of us and where we start to, well, I should say there's one more Rudy Gobert. Okay. Yeah. We have, I have Gobert as well. Okay. Um, now here's where things get dicey and where we start yelling okay. at each other, because here's where our, our, our reasoning diverges. Now yes. you're a stats guy. I am. And me, I'm, I'm going to put a little more onus on the, the record and how important a good player is on a good team. Um, so go ahead and give you know your two players because I think if you're going to have one, you have to have the other. So at least I understand your rationale from that regard. Okay, so my final two, right? That's what we're down to. Mm-hmm. My final two are Damian Lillard and Eric Bledsoe. Right. And I do think- I think Eric Bledsoe would ever have a shot at actually making the team? No. Do I know that like you know rationally he's playing on such a bad team? Should he ever make it? No. But he's been all-star caliber good, and I think if he was on, or if he was surrounded by you know better talent, and the guy who's you know brought in to be his backcourt mate wasn't playing like six minutes a game off the bench, I th- I think people would notice more. I mean, he's he's started all forty-five games. He's averaging twenty-one six and five, a steal and a half a game, uh, shooting forty-five percent from the field. I, I mean, he's been he's been really 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 good. Um, the Suns obviously have been really, really, really bad, but I, I don't think you point to Bledsoe and say like, this is a really flawed player. Like he's great on offense, but he's terrible on D like, no, he's really, really good. He just doesn't have good players around him. There's not like, he's not a, just a stat stuffer type of guy to me. And I guess you can make the argument that if he was so good, maybe the Suns wouldn't be so bad. Um, and that's ultimately, you know, what kind of keeps him out of this conversation. Um, so I know Eric Bledsoe, not a real candidate, but personally, I, I think he deserves a little more consideration. So I put him in. All right. Noted. I, yeah, I, I think that at least, you know, if you're going to do that, you need to have Bledsoe and Lillard because then you really are harping on stats. Yes. And if you're going to do that, so here's the Lillard, other- I f- Lillard, I feel should really get in like truly, you know, Bledsoe, obviously I really get like you shouldn't get in, but Lillard, I think does deserve it. All right. Well, here's, here's my last two. Uh, I think you go with both the guys out in Utah and you go with Gordon Hayward. He's having really honestly a good statistical year as well. 22 points, six rebounds, almost four assists. His assist totals are actually down from where they used to be, but you know, a really good play. We just talked about how teams may consider avoiding Utah in general, and he's one of the major reasons why. So, if we're going to go best player on best team type of argument, yeah. I don't even really need need to think you do. I, I think he's legitimately one of those seven best reserve options available, and I sure as heck as I'm, I'm going to take him over Eric Bledsoe, a team that's in the cellar right now. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, he's certainly deserving. And again, Bledsoe, not real uh, in terms of having a chance. I just, I think you have to go Gobert or Hayward. Like, neither of those guys have been like, transcendently good. I get it, but, like, and you can't Jazz fault one. The Jazz for... aren't, like, 
they're not the Hawks where they're just like flying ahead of everybody in first place. Like, so you're going like good. four the, years the ago, Steph Curry, David Lee. You can only have one. You can't have two. Yeah, this is this, the league is way deeper now than it was. Okay. Although the Lee thing remains one of the more probably the most egregious. All-star. No, no. Yeah. Back then, no. Back then, it, it made more. sense. Back then, it made sense. If you look, hindsight's always twenty yeah. twenty. But back then, I literally That's remember true. a post game press conference when they had together and they're like, "You should get it. You should get it," and all this stuff. And I was like, "No, Lee should get it." Lee yeah, should get when it. Steph Curry used to argue over All Star ballots with David Lee. Yes, exactly. Um, so my final one is it was really tough for me, okay. and so basically I, I just kind of stayed with the same reasoning and the same logic because you got to stay true to yourself. And I went with Mike Conley. Now, if you want to, if you want to follow me for stats, go ahead and do that. But he's having one of the best statistical seasons of his career, and we've really had him on the borderline to begin with in lesser statistical seasons. So for that reason, I'll go with him. Um, you know, Damian Lillard, awesome. Uh, you love to talk about hollow stats, and I don't think hollower stats have ever been hollow for somebody like Damian Lillard. 26 points and a bad, bad team right now. Um, Eric Bledsoe, again. Bledsoe's better than Conley in like every single stat except for three-point percentage. Oh, no, I agree. I agree. Um, defensively, like if you're actually talking about on the court, I know Bledsoe is pretty good on defense. But again, I'm just going to stick with the same the same reasoning here. Although it is a little bit tougher for Conley. I'm open and willing to debate that. But I'm not going to bring in somebody like a Clay Thompson. I'm not going to bring in somebody like a Carl Anthony Towns quite yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll go with Mike Conley. And I think, uh, to be honest with you, that I think that's kind of the mainstream yeah. thinking based on other things I've seen so far. I think so too, yeah. I, I To me, the, the Grizzlies are uh, are like the Jazz where it's like one or the other. You can pick Gasol or you can pick Conley. I think they've both been close to equally valuable. And to me, Gasol, just because – I mean, Conley's only played 34 games. Um, and it's like that's only like six more than – than Blake you know and it's like Blake doesn't really get included in this because he's injured and it's like I don't know like Conley missed a lot of time too so that kind of broke the tie I guess for me and then that's why I went uh with with Lillard and Bledsoe at those guard spots but yeah I I, I do think Conley is considered the more deserving choice I mm-hmm. guess over Lillard and certainly Bledsoe and I think if Conley had had like 40 games played then it would probably be a little bit easier and there wouldn't it wouldn't be as you know, quote unquote controversial. And I don't even think it's all that controversial. Yeah. So here's the funny thing is that if the Blazers had like two more wins, then I think me, myself included and everybody else would be just fine putting Lillard in there, but because they're out of the playoffs as of right now, and have really taken a big slide of late four of six in their last 10, you know, he takes a lot of hit for recent, you know, recent right. production, recent results, all that stuff. So it is kind of funny that if, you know, you extend the season just like like one more week and yeah. Lillard could be like kind of even just like a toss in, like a given, but he's not because they're out of the playoffs. So um The thirty four percent from three is tough. Right. It's like that's what I'm saying. Like you look at the rest okay. of the team, and besides McCollum, like of course he's going to jack up a ton of shots. So McCollum's pretty deserving too. You could argue. I mean, he's yeah, he's scoring right there with Lillard. The assists are down a little bit, but that's just because. Oh, but Nick, you you can only have one. You can only have one. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. One or the yeah. other. It's like you could. I would be fine if you wanted to talk me into McCollum over Lillard. Not both. Yeah, it's not both. I think a lot of people are going to say you get to pick two of three pairs, and everybody's going to leave out the Portland pairs. Right, so yeah. Utah has a pair, well, Memphis has like a pair. Mix and match, though. I don't think you. Why do you have to go pairs? Like, I know. I, 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 I just when you don't have teammates playing together. I don't. Well, I think it's better when you just kind of 
I guess what it's supposed to be like the best player from you know as many teams as you as are you know deserving no i get it i I think you have the spirit of the all-star game but i don't think that you're in line with the mainstream thought here i think most people are gonna say all stats yeah you're all stats all right so i we can just like really move on from clay thompson right like i don't really even want to talk about it like he's an ancillary guy less exciting in the all-star game than gordon hayward Dude, come Zaza. on. Like, no. What's, dude, do in, what's Gordon what Hayward going to do in an All-Star game? What is your beef with Gordon Hayward? My goodness. Just saying. You got something. Just saying. Were you a Dookie fan back in the day? I was rooting for Duke in that. Okay. That well, that says a lot about you and your personality. Well, see, that Butler team prevented EWGB from oh, making the I tournament see. that year. So. I see what's going on yeah, here. So just fun. scrap everything that he just right. said about the All-Stars. Okay. It, it's meaningless. It's He's vindictive. Clay, I'm with you. He's out. Like He's been really good, but he just hasn't quite been good enough. And the Warriors have Like If the Warriors were going into the All-Star break with like three losses and they were just killing everybody and Clay you know, had maybe another 50-point game sometime along there, like then I think there would be this momentum where you'd say, yeah, they deserve four. But like... They haven't been quite dominant enough where you can quite where you can justify it, especially when there's these other deserving options. If you're only going to average less than four rebounds, less than two assists, then you need to be averaging like 28 points at least. Uh, and Clay's not doing that. He right. hey, he has not been consistent. He hasn't been an integral part of that team. I dare say you take him off that team, and they'd have a dangerously close record um, as they would without him. Well, so I mean, I'm, you're replacing it with like I don't know who. You can't just take them away, right? I know, but I mean, if we're going to take... Clay's Clay's good. If you had to take away one of the four and say which... If you take away one of the four, which one is... They're still going to have the same record or close to the same record. It's Clay every single time, and everybody's going to answer that way. He doesn't deserve to be on the All-Star team. He deserves to be on the All-Star team more than like your Damari Carroll or Kyle Korver from a couple years ago. I'm just looking at that right now. That (laughs) is just... I still... I'm upset about all that. Um, well, Carroll wasn't an all-star. Okay, so Carroll was the, was the four left out. Corver, Horford, and T. Gotcha. And yeah, Corver, Corver made it averaging 12 points, four rebounds, and two and a half assists. Hey, we got we got swept Oof. up in the moment. One of the yeah, best yeah, monthly records of all time. Are you ready to go to the East? Yeah. Well, actually, no, because okay. I, I have a, just a little mini list of like next three out. Clay Tops is one of those guys. Like We're not saying he's not deserving. It's just, just not going to work out. I have Conley on the list. I personally like wouldn't care all that much if CP3 or Blake got in. I mean, Paul's out because he like can't physically play. He he would be on this list. Like he's the reason that a guy like Gordon Hayward or a guy like Damian Lillard might make it. Same with Blake. You know, like Gobert and Hayward aren't making the team if CP and Blake are healthy. There's no debate. Yes. Um. So the fact that both of those guys aren't you know aren't probably going to get picked. I think there's a slight chance you know the coaches could pick Blake, but I don't really see that happening. Towns though, like. I don't know, like the Timberwolves have been better of late, not all that great, but I think if the Timberwolves were like four or five games better record-wise, he would be an obvious, obvious candidate. 22.5 points, 12 rebounds, 3 assists, a block and a half, 23 PER. Like his numbers are up across the board from last year, and there's this sense of disappointment. Like, I I don't know. I mean, he's he's defensively, he's not Rudy Gobert, but he's a much, much better offensive player. He's a, He's more important i think you know to that minnesota team so he's probably hurt the most by the fact that his team isn't playing well well there's two reasons um one of course is that expectations have not been met for this team despite him improving basically in every single category besides steals but he basically has the same amount of steals he's the one like taking on the burden of these expectations in the all-star votes right the second one is joel Embiid. 
You know, we talk about these young centers, these young guys coming up and doing stuff. And Embiid is more flashy. He's more exciting. I know that the the GM poll at the beginning of the season had Carl Anthony Towns as the new player that GMs would build franchises around. But Embiid has stolen that, you know, kind of sophomore hype or that, you know, second first or second year player hype uh, away from Towns. And we're all wrapped up in Embiid. And that matters when it comes to all-star votes, even though they're not on the same side. I understand that. Um, but we talk when we talk about you know fantasizing about what this guy is going to be in a few more years, we talk about Embiid now. We don't talk about Carl Anthony Towns, as we sure as heck don't talk about Anthony Davis. Yeah, I agree. I agree with all that. I, I think the the hype has kind of unjustifiably cooled off of of Carl Anthony Towns. Let's go to the East um, again. Starters in the East: LeBron, Giannis, Butler, Irving, and DeRozan. People have argued that Isaiah Thomas should be in there. People have argued that Kyle Lowry should be in there. Although everyone's pretty unanimous on LeBron, Giannis, and Butler. Like, it's pretty hard to make a case against any of those three guys. But let's look at the reserves. Um, I know we agree on Lowry. He's a lock. Kevin Love is a lock. Isaiah Thomas is an absolute lock. I have Paul Millsap. I, I'm much lower on Paul Millsap than a lot of people are. But you, like, it's hard to find someone who's more deserving than him because the Hawks are still a top-four team in the East. And it's like you kind of have to get somebody from their team, and he's the obvious guy. Well, what's going on here? Like, I, your, your train of thought in the East is different than the West. If Gordon Hayward was in the West I, or in the East, I would put him in over Millsap. Gobert over Millsap. Lillard over Millsap. Like, okay. there's just a lack of talent. Like, I wouldn't put, I wouldn't put Kemba Walker in over Gordon Hayward because of how good the team is done or because of no, stats I'm just saying or because both. they're not he's not as good all right like, the that's just doesn't have as many big time talents like cat towns is an all-star in the east well I know I ordered him differently here but we have all the same players in the east so Millsap okay. John Wall Kemba yeah, Walker Paul George sure. so Wall is a lock the two players that I really feel kind of like you know uneasy about is Paul George mm-hmm. and Paul Millsap and I'm like, I'm so close to jumping on the bandwagon to Joel Embiid should be an all-star. Coaches, though. I know. I'm just so close. He's the one. He's the legitimate one for me where I'm like, yeah, I can't decide if he should get in over Paul George or Paul Millsap. But, man, I'm just like so close Mm -hmm. to wanting that. And not even from like a fanfare perspective. Like the Sixers play way better when he's on the yeah. court. And so to me, that actually tosses the record out a little bit because when he's been on the court, they've mm-hmm. been a very, oh, a much better team. And quite frankly, like an average to above average team when he's on the court. Yeah. So to me, that does matter a little bit than their overall record yeah. because it's not fair because he hasn't played every game. I felt that when Embiid was kind of climbing up the ranks in the fan voting, that it, it turned into a little bit of a circus. And a lot of people thought it was you know, a gimmick in the same vein as the Zaza thing. Not even and close. No, no, it's like, yeah, like, you know, you hear a lot, like he's on a minutes limit. The Sixers at, the, you know, at the time the first returns came out, they were still bad and weren't, you know, winning like they are now. And it was a little bit tougher to justify, but I mean, I don't see the coaches picking him. I think the coaches will go with guys that they're familiar with, like Paul George and like Paul Millsap. I think they respect, you know, the work that those guys have put in and been premier players for several years now. Um, but it, I mean, it's, uh, it would undeniably be way more fun to watch Joel Embiid in an all-star game than Paul frickin' Millsap. Yeah. And I, I've said on this podcast many times, maybe the second most after motivation is key. Paul Millsap is one of the most underrated, underappreciated, but in this case, here I go again, just like, yeah, I might sneak Embiid in there over Millsap. Yeah. Just for fun. I mean, it's the all-star game. Um, so I Kemba Walker, and like I said, John Wall is a lock. He'll be there. Walker and George were my last two. 
And like George's numbers when I went and looked when I was researching this weren't as bad as I expected. I know, me too. Like, I think the way everybody talks about him, it's like he's just falling off a cliff. He's not the same. It's like the numbers were way better than I expected. I guess I hadn't looked in a while. Well, the um, funny thing is that, you know, we we do look at it from a fantasy's perspective. You look at his price on like something like FanDuel, he was down to like $7,500. I mean, this has been a player that's been up over 10,000 at portions of his career. So when I looked into it, I was like shocked. I was like, wait, what? What is going on here? But for whatever reason, I think Jeff Teague has taken a little bit of his thunder away, um, you know, in that George Hill necessarily just didn't need to dominate the ball like like Jeff T does. I don't know what it is, but for whatever reason, we're all down on Paul George. You look at his numbers, and again, like they're basically the same, which is which is weird. I was so surprised by that. He's actually shooting way better than he did last year. Shooting forty five percent from the field, ninety three percent from the charity charity stripe versus forty two percent versus eighty six percent, and it just seem it just seems astonishing to me. It's like was that yeah. a typo? Yeah, so I think George is deserving, right? Like, And, like, Indiana hasn't been quite as good as people thought, but they haven't been a complete dumpster fire either, you know? Like, he's, yeah. he's been fine, whatever. My next three out, Embiid for sure. Um, although, like we said, I think he had to be a fan vote guy. And if if the old rules applied where it was 100% fan vote, yeah, he maybe gets in. Yeah. Um, Porzingis, I'm a Porzingis over Mellow guy. Uh, even though Porzingis has not been all that great, you know, recently he's had the Achilles issue. I don't think he gets in. Um, Jabari Parker and Brad Beal, a lot of years, I think both of those guys would get in. If you look back at what the numbers have been, you know, over past All-Stars, you know, cough, 2014, 15 Hawks, <laughs> um, years like that. But I, I, I just think, like, could you really justify Jabari Parker over Paul George when the Bucks are like ninth or tenth in the East no. right now, or Brad Beal over John Wall, Brad Beal over Isaiah Thomas, like maybe Beal over Kemba, maybe. And I just think the Wizards haven't been quite good enough that the coaches will deem them worthy of two. And Beal, as great as he's been, doesn't do a ton outside of scoring. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Although Beal does average a surprising amount of assists. Let me pull that up real quick. I think it's closer to four than it is to three. Which, yeah, which for a shooting guard is like is pretty good. Well, for a guy that has John Wall on his team is pretty also good. True. A ball dominant. Yeah, he averaged 3.6 assists per game mm-hmm. to the point where I'm almost like, man, if he played on the court with somebody like Patrick Beverly, he might average like five to six assists per game. I had no idea that was possible for him. Would you rather have for the next – Let's say what five six years, whatever duration of a max deal. Would you rather have CJ McCollum or Brad Beal? <laughs> you got to give the nod to McCollum because you're so afraid about Beal shins. Like that's it for me, right? Yeah, I think they're very similar in ceiling, very similar in floor, and we'll just give the nod to health. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I'm with you there. I let's just say, would it change if Beal was healthy? Or I mean, he is healthy, but you know, like if he was just concerned. as healthy as McCollum, yeah. I think I would give the edge to Beal because I feel like when, you know, when the playoffs came, was it two years ago? Like he he was the Wizards, uh, he was amazing. Like we were so ready to anoint him as the next All Star superstar, and then obviously his his bum shins got in the way. Um, otherwise, you know, like I've seen it from him. I've seen what yeah. a superstar could be out of Beal. Maybe a little bit more than I have McCollum. And he's the, also two years younger. Really? Yeah. People forget that. Yeah, I think if if all things are equal, I, I'd go Beal, but all things are never equal, so I'm going to go McCollum. That might be your most profound quote yet. Thank you. If all things were equal, but things are never equal. Uh, with Embiid, I, I just wanted to note that there have only been six players 
in the history of the league that have had a higher usage rate than he has right now. And, of course, everyone other than him and one other guy on this list has been over a full season. So Embiid can still lower his usage rate or maybe more probably higher it. Uh, so Westbrook currently holds the record at 42%. That's what he's at <laughs> this season. 42% usage. That's almost four points higher than Kobe in 05-06. Of course, that was the 81-point year. Uh, third on that list, Russell Westbrook from two seasons ago, 38%, um, which if you remember, Kevin Durant was still on the team back then, which makes that even more remarkable. <laughs> Jordan in 86-87 is number four, 38%. Five, Iverson, 2001-2002, at just under 38%. Six, DeMarcus Cousins this season actually has a higher usage rate than Embiid. Yeah, that's not surprising. You know, not I just went right. and watched the Kings, and he's he's their entire mm-hmm. team. And, I mean, he takes the ball out at the top of the key. Right. <laughs> you know, it's, well, it's just crazy that everyone on this list except for Westbrook in 2014-15 was basically on an island. You know, right. Iverson in a one oh two, like mm-hmm. that's kind of the closest thing I think that we've seen to Russ as far as one guy trying to do everything. Um Kobe in 05-06, that Lakers team wasn't good, but he just shot every time. Embiid's kind of by himself right now with the way that team's built. Cousins obviously. Uh so yeah, I was surprised that Westbrook of two years ago was able to get that kind of usage with Kevin Durant on the team. Like I think ideally you would rather have Kevin Durant be the guy using up thirty eight percent of your possessions. And you know what's funny is those teams back with Scott Brooks, we always used to knock Brooks for not staggering their minutes. And so a lot of those minutes came when both of them were on the court at the same time. It's not even like Westbrook led the right. second team. It, it was uh, you know, just some other like ragtag point guards essentially leading the second team. Mm-hmm. Well the other thing was too, that was the year. Uh, that Durant missed like half the season, right? Oh, so there you go. Yeah, yep, that makes sense. But Russell also missed time too. Like he, like he missed something like 15 games in the right. first month of the year. I'm trying to find out like what his usage was before Durant. Yeah, that that, that makes that, a whole yeah that makes a whole lot of more sense now. Yeah, but like that must mean that like his usage after Durant went down easily had to be 40 plus. You would think to counteract what it was when Durant was there. Exactly. But yeah, we're just getting into nerd stats now. Um, anything else you want to hit on? Well, I think it's kind of fun to talk about the coaches because I honestly yeah. oh, didn't yeah, know in, until you, you brought this up, brought this to my attention. So definitely let people know how the coaches are picked. So the coaches of each conference are determined by whichever team has the best record in the conference as of two weeks before All-Star Weekend. So the date this year is February 5th, two weeks before uh, that Friday that things get underway. Okay. Um, Oh, no, actually, that would be two weeks from Sunday, the day of the game. So two weeks before the day of the All-Star game itself. So for the West, it's already Steve Kerr. We are two, you know, about two weeks away from that February 5th date. Warriors have already clinched the best record in the West on that day. So it's going to be Steve Kerr. Um, and the caveat is you can't coach the All-Star game two years in a row. You can coach it as many times as you want in your career as long as you don't do it twice in a row. So last year it was Pop, I believe. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. They, yeah. They had I don't a... what the situation was because... Luke Walton was technically coaching for most of the time. Wait, how did the Warriors not have the best record? Maybe they had the best record two years ago. And then they, had, they defaulted to Pop because Kerr coached it two oh, seasons ago. Oh, there that you go. what happened. Debunking mysteries. So, <laughs> yeah, last year it was not Steve Kerr. So he's back. He's going to be coaching. For the East, it can't be Teron Liu because, if you remember, the Cavs fired David Blatt on January 22nd. Wow. There's that weird, like, oh, wow, we kind of forgot that this guy's going to have to coach the All-Star yeah. game now because we fired the coach <laughs> of the best team in the East. Um, so Lou can't coach it, even though the Cavaliers, in all likelihood, will lead the East on, Jan- on February 5th. Most likely Dwayne Casey or Brad Stevens, unless Budenholzer's Hawks make a run. 
Yeah. I I hope it goes to Casey, I guess. I mean, He's I love Brad Stevens, but right? like he, Casey is definitely deserving. Again, if we want to talk about underappreciated, undervalued coaches, I think Casey might be at the very, very top of the list. We talk about that Raptors team. You know what's funny? We interviewed Ryan Wolstad of the Toronto Sun. We didn't bring up Casey's name once. So that really tells you a lot about how us and the it's national media view join Casey. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, I mean, when, yeah, when do you ever hear him mentioned in the same breath as... That's amazing that we had a whole hour Steven, podcast. Yeah. We didn't even ask him one question about Dwayne Casey. Yeah, you know, we're, we're players, guys. We're not coaches, guys. <laughs> um, well, I think that'll do it then, unless you have any, any parting thoughts, any more like, wisdom that you want to impart on anyone. Well, I'm glad everybody got to figure out that you're a stats guy. So stats guy. Uh, you love to blow up Eric Bledsoe, Damian yeah. Lillard. Uh, I like it. I mean, at least you're going to stick to your guns. I like that part about it. Yeah, the All-Star game is about the best individual players that will put on the best show, not the guy from a, a good team who's kind of deserving, but his numbers don't say he's all that deserving. I agree. Kyle Shout Korver, Al Horford, Paul Millsap, I Jeff would, Teague, baby. I, don't, you, I seriously just need to purge that from my memory. Um, but that'll do it for us. We have a couple guests lined up for next week, one of them. KL Chenard making his return to the podcast. We'll be able to talk Hawks with him. We'll see. Hopefully get a, a little bit of a gauge on what's going on with the direction of that team uh, as I think the belief still seems to be that, you know, are they really going to hold on to Paul Millsap? Do they really think they can, they can contend? So looking forward to talking with KL. That'll be next week. He'll have a lot of stuff for us. Um, but that'll do it. I'll be back with James tomorrow and you'll be back with the three amigos on Friday. Felicity Jones with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.